You're listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast, a space for moms who are on the wild ride of motherhood while navigating their grief journey. We're Karen Rashida. Between the two of us, we're motherless moms of four toddlers and an angel baby. Together, we're going to feel our feels, but also remind you that there's joy on the journey too. Let's dig in. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast episode. I believe this is, Kara usually keeps me honest, so I believe this is episode uh, 11 um, in season two. So you'll notice I am without my sidekick. Uh, Kara and I are dividing and conquering this week. Professor, not professor, uh, producer Brian, as we like to call our husbands of the show, uh, producer Brian is traveling and we have a wonderful guest in store for you guys today. So we're dividing and conquering and it will just be me and our lovely guest. Um, So this episode I'm really excited to talk about, which is funny to say. It's always funny to be like, I'm really excited to talk about this this woman and her grief. Uh, (laughs) But... But there's a lot, we've got a lot to unpack in this episode. Um, So I'm super excited to introduce our guest, Audrey White. Um, And she is, gosh, a woman of many, many things and trades and stories. Um, What she's going to talk about mostly with us today is um, the grief that comes with consecutive losses. Um, You know, the idea of losing more than just one parent or another parent. And, And not to from her story she lost several people um within a short span of time as well in inside of covid so there's like multiple grief onion layers there um and then she now runs the grief coach academy so she's training other people to be grief coaches in this world and help you know normalize grief in in the same way that kara and i um are doing with this podcast so audrey i'm so excited to have you welcome Thank you, Rashida. It's so nice to be here. I've been so looking forward to talking with you. So yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, yes. But before we jump into your grief story, I do want to hear. So Audrey and I had a quick um like, hi, I'm I'm Rashida and I'm I'm Audrey Call, probably like a little bit a month of a month ago. And in between that time, you have been to Africa. So tell me how tell me how your trip was. Oh my gosh. So my trip to Africa, it was um Gosh, this we started planning this probably about two years ago. A friend of mine mm-hmm. planning this, and um, and just kind of a as a, a preview for the story to come. It was before my brother was killed, and so you know I'm like, this is amazing. It'll be my 55th birthday. I'm gonna go and do this amazing thing, and then my brother was killed, and so I'm like, I don't know if I can go. I don't, you know. And Rachel, the wonderful woman, right, my girlfriend from years and years ago. Um, to organize this said you need to have something to look forward to and you need to go like I don't care how it's going to happen if I have to cover you it doesn't matter you need to have this to look forward to mm-hmm. and you know life works out the way it does and um, I went with we had seven of us on this uh, safari and we went to Tanzania and spent um, seven days in Tanzania on safari and like each day was better and better and better and oh yay we had just the most wonderful guide um, and then we went to uh, to Zanzibar afterwards for three days and it was just beautiful and relaxing um, and I was able to take a little piece of my brother to Africa with me and uh, leave him there so it was really just oh that's amazing like 
I, I took him with me and it was such a, a beautiful way to celebrate life again and also to, to have a little bit of a release as well. Yeah. Do you find, I always find, um, when I'm taking like really cool trips, uh, so like recently my family and I went to Montana, which was like not in our bingo cards for this year at all. Um, however, we went to Montana, did some hikes. My five-year-old did a three mile, like uphill hike all by himself, crushed it. But like, I find that in, when I am experiencing something new like that, like my grief comes with me. Like, does that make sense? Like I find that when I'm on, like I recently was also in Mexico on the beach last year. And I remember just like laying on the beach, having a wonderful time, but also just like quietly thinking like, this is something my mom never got to do. And like, I'm experiencing this for the both of us kind of, which is like a deep thought to always be carrying on every effing vacation. (laughs) But But do you find, right? Yeah. Do you find that the grief kind of comes with you? And it's not always sad, but it's always also in your suitcase. (laughs) It's always there. And absolutely, you know, I, um, yeah, there was so much about it. Like every time my brother was, um, he was an avid birder. So anytime like people are looking for that, the elephants and the giraffes and the, you know, all of this. And I'm like, oh, there's a bird, you know? <laughs> and it just felt like, okay. And I found a, a little feather like on the ground and they always used to get, you know, bisbee feathers. Yeah. And, um, and so I just always feel like I had a little piece of him with me and when we were in Zanzibar to to go out of our out um, where we were staying and walking into the Indian Ocean, mm. and just my partner was with me and he just held me as I let a little piece of my brother go and and just that that feeling that he was with me and also mm-hmm. being able to release him there and that's some things that he would have loved to have seen and I would have loved to have shared with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would talk to him all the time and, and it was just like having those conversations with him, even though I couldn't pick up the phone, you know? Yep. So it was all, it's still always there. Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. So we kind of like skipped to, yes, your brother, um, but let's, <laughs> let's start, let's start from the very beginning. Like I mentioned, this is, um, you've had a lot of loss in your life. Audrey, um, and it is, it, it's, your story is one that like, you know, like I've lost my mom and I've lost a friend. And when you hear somebody who's lost, like you can be on the one side of loss, but you hear somebody who's lost as much as you have. Um, like even I'm like <laughs> taken aback, you know? Um, so take us start, let's start from the top of your story. Um, when was your first, yeah, encounter with grief? Um, and actually I just thought of this because we haven't even talked about this, but my first encounter with grief, um, I think it was about five years old, probably around five years old. And like, I had this aunt, her name was Aunt Emmy and she was my favorite aunt. Like I live kind of in the, in a little outside this, the city, uh, city. I say that loosely because it was like 4,000 people, right? Uh, <laughs> we had the only stoplight in the county. Yeah. Yeah. It was popping up. Uh, Exactly. And, uh, but I could hear her car. I remember like he had been able to hear her car coming down the road when she would 
I lived next to my grandparents. And so when she'd come to visit, I would get all excited to hear, you know, to see her. And it was a Sunday morning and I was like five years old and I was over at my grandparents because we always had, you know, Sunday dinner there. Mm -hmm. And I was in the living room and they got a phone call and I knew what was going on. And I knew that my, they were being told that my aunt Emmy had died because the night before I had had a dream about her and oh, wow. had died. And so here is this little kid. I am terrified because I think I killed her. You know? Oh yeah. Because you can't brave. You can't, your little kid brain can't like, yeah. Yep. No. And I mean, for years I was just like, Oh my gosh, how, you know, and it was just such a vivid dream. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to that phone call on, on this side and and hiding behind their purple Davenport in the living room because I thought I really, I thought I killed her. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was years and years later that I'm like, no, she just spoke to me because we had this connection mm-hmm. and I knew. So that was like my first encounter. Um and then let's, you know, kind of fast forward to mm-hmm. 2005 when my father was dying. And he had a short illness and he didn't um, kind of got better a little bit. And I so I had a chance to fly down to Texas with him. And I knew this was going to be the end. And I wasn't ready to do that. My kids were, you know, the, my kids were young. And I was in my 30s. And I'm like, I'm just not ready to lose my parent yet. And mm-hmm. I don't think you're ever ready to lose a parent, but yeah, you never ready. And they weren't, you know, the the hospital wasn't honest with us about what was going on. They just, Mm -hmm. so you didn't know, you didn't know that this was kind of, I had a day and a half with him while he was lucid and that he went into a coma and and crashed. And and I didn't know to take that time. We didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, when it, when he finally was dying and, and there was nothing they could do, you know, the doctor finally told my mother and you could just see my mom just, just fall. Right. Here was this, mm-hmm. her partner of 50 some years that, and, she, and I just looked at her, I dropped my knees next to her and I said, we got this mom. It, this is just birth and we know how to do birth. We can do this. This is just the pains of birth. And this is what we're going to do. And so she, it was really important for her um, that my brother, John, get there before, you know, they kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. And so we just held vigil all night. We sang, we cried, we, you know, um, we laughed. And as soon as my brother walked into the room that morning, um, he started crying. My mother was crying. And I just walked around to the side of the bed with, when I, my dad and I put my hand on his heart, my hand on his head, and I just held him as he let go. But it was in that moment that a lot of things happened. Um, it, you know, it's like, like the Harry Potter thing, right? It's like, you know, in this moment, like a thousand things happened in this, this, yep. this split second. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of them was knowing that this is why I'm in this family. Because I grew up in a family that didn't talk about anything, that didn't mm-hmm. talk about feelings, that we just ignored what was going on and, you know. Which is kind of like, it's okay. Yeah, which is like yeah. kind of how it goes for those early 
the in the 80s 90s early 2000s 70s yeah 70s yeah <laughs> you're like you're like um um i'm sorry <laughs> 70s yes <laughs> you go girl and it's um, but it was in that moment that I realized that why I was in this family and that this was just something that was so innate to me, even though I was scared to death when I first thought about it. And uh, it's like, I, I just knew how to do this. And so after that point, I always knew I wanted to work with grief and loss and, and the fact that in our society, we don't talk about death and dying. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's something that, you know, mm-hmm. you know talk about it and, and you know, and, and then it's like, okay, well, it's been, you know, three days. Are you done yet? Or is it six weeks? Are you done yet? Or is it a year? Are you done yet? I know my eye roll yeah. can't, can't roll any, <laughs> if there was a noise. Yeah. If there was a no an eye roll noise, I would be making it. Yeah. Because we've all heard that, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that's when I knew that I wanted to work in this, in this area. Yeah. And I didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a little bit jealous that you kind of got that realization so early in, I guess, your grief journey. Because not I like I not everybody on a grief journey wants to then take that grief journey and help other people through grief journeys, right? And so I feel like it took me a long time to get to this point. Like I didn't, I almost I'm um, returning to school to become a therapist so that I can do grief therapy. And I'm almost like annoyed at myself that I didn't come to this conclusion when I was an undergrad because I'm like, I could have done this already. I could have been doing this for for 11 years. I could have been doing this. And instead I was in advertising wondering why I was in advertising. So I'm a little jealous. You kind of had your moment like early in your grief be like to be like, yeah, this is what I'm here to do. I have. I took a pause because I didn't have money to get there. And I had mm-hmm. two kids to raise and a yes. to look valley and and you're grieving. Yeah. And I'm grieving. And I, you know, and how do you do this? And I think my grief was delayed with my dad because my mom and my brother were so steeped in it that it's like mm-hmm. I had to be the one to handle the grief and handle the business of death. To handle yeah. that. Yeah. The business of death. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think my my grief with my dad was extended because of that. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it took a while with it and you know fast forward again to 2019 and I was getting out of a uh a relationship with a narcissist which has its own grief you know because mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. breathing that sense of self and who did how much of myself I lost in this relationship mm-hmm. um and you know I ran into Aurora Winter who's the founder of the Grief Coach Cabin she had these books in her hand and I'm, it was like grief coaching. And I'm like, what is that? And she's like, oh, these are for you. And she just hands me this. And the next day I signed up and took the course and just fell in love with it because it was so healing for myself. Finally, there was a space to to really dive in and, and talk about grief, to hold space for it, and also to go through a process to that that really helped me move through the grief. It doesn't help you get it over it. It's not like that, but it's it because you can't. Process. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's like and think about it in a different way. And so I processed a whole lot of like my dad's grief and um, grief for my dad and and grief for myself for the childhood I didn't have or you know losing such a big sense of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then came 2020. Um, bow, bow, bow. Yep. And we were all thrust into this, you know, a pandemic where we lost so much. We lost our sense of community. We lost co- contact with one another, um, physical contact. We lost um, how we interacted. Yeah, this way that we approach people. I mean, there was so much in that um, that we lost and just how to do daily life. We had to learn how to do that again and what was safe and how to keep ourselves and others that we love safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was pregnant at the time too so I was like Get on. Uh, there's so many <laughs> there's so too many there's too much yeah and we were in this collective bubble of grief and not really knowing that's what it was at the moment because we were yep. just trying to survive totally and everything started happening so March well first of all the end of February I lost my dog and she was like she is my dog and I never have her. I didn't have her that long. And so that kind of kicked things off. A few weeks later, my cousin died. A couple of weeks after that, my uncle died. My mom's youngest brother. Um, then it was my cousin's wife. And I really believed that she died. Of and then another oh. cousin died. My aunt died. And when my aunt died, all of us in the family, we, t- we talked and we're like, Oh, they're all going to go. Like the sisters are not going to want to stay here without one another. Mm-hmm. And that time, my my mom, um, there was three sisters left. My oldest aunt had died a few years before, so my aunt Mady died in September. Thirteen days later, it was my mother. Six weeks later, it was um, her young her last sister, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, my uncle. And so it was just. Within a year, I had lost eight family members, including my mother. And you couldn't come together to grieve. You couldn't come together to to celebrate life. You couldn't come get together to comfort one another. Mm-hmm. And there's a caveat in there because in the midst of COVID, where everybody, you know, there's so many stories about you couldn't see people who were dying and people were saying goodbye on the phone or through a window. Mm-hmm. I had an amazing death with my mother. Um, she had she was living in Kansas um, at a nursing home, and it's where my brother lived. And she had lost the ability to swallow, so she was in um, hospitalized with pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Found out she had lost her muscle control, mm-hmm. and the hospital was amazing. Once they, once we knew what was going on, and that my mom didn't want a feeding tube she didn't want anything they just kind of shut the door on us and let us do our thing and, and let you have your time yeah it was just beautiful because they allowed that it let you know kind of relax the rules so that my brother and I could both be there with her and we got to do everything with her and and one of the most profound things that I was able to do for my mother during this time was to tell her straight on like mom you you can't you haven't been you haven't eaten in days you can't swallow even ice chips or a drink of water. And, you know, we only have a minute of days left. Are you ready to die? And she said, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, and it was beautiful because we didn't, it was such a contrast with my father, right? Because yeah. With my mom, we could just say, 
all right, this is what's happening. You go. Yeah. And, and what is it that you want? And, and, you know, we laughed and we cried and we, I heard stories I had never heard in my entire life. And, <laughs> you know, it was just mm-hmm. such a beautiful time. And uh, when she was, she talked for like three days. I don't know where she got the strength to do it, but she just kept going mm-hmm. until she was like, I, I think I'm done now. She said, it's okay. And it was just this really beautiful experience. Yeah. But, you know, and the story goes on. Uh, two days before she died, I found out that the company that I was working for was a fire. So right after my mom died, we're kind of thrust into an acquisition where I was, you know, over that the course of 2021, you had like swaths of departments of people that I worked with for years just gone. Like you'd email and they would bounce back and go, I didn't even know they were gone yet. And again, it's this whole thing of like this loss that I, you, you don't know it's really, you, you know, they're leaving, but you don't win and you can't say goodbye because we're still in lockdown. You're still working from home and yeah, yeah. You know, it was really hard to, to go through all of that. So at the end of 2021, I was like, I, I'm tapping out. <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm so, I'm so tired. I'm not functioning. It was like this functional depression or functional anxiety where it's like, I'm performing at work, but not the way I need to and not the mm-hmm. way I want to. Yeah. And, and everything was probably so hard. Like, oh, yeah. everything's a trudge. Yeah. And and my life isn't being handled. Mm-hmm. I wasn't handling my health. And my doctor was like, oh, you, you need to you need to go out for a little while. Get yourself together. Um, I was really supportive of that. Love this. I remember when we um, talked about this in our like pre-chat. I love that you had a doctor who was just like, yeah, take the time. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, it's time to go. No. You need to you need to take care of yourself. Like you're like. I feel like sometimes um, doctors, especially like primary care doctors, are not always trained the most, I would say, in like mental health capacity or like understanding when someone's going through grief and like what is And it's. I just applaud your doctor for having, you know, the extra to was, just to be like, you're clearly not OK. Yeah. And like yeah. not OK, like you're clearly not OK in not to a point where we think med just let's just drug her and that'll be okay which i'm a low i am a i am a proponent of drugs like the law 100 over here for life however i do think um that was just that was a gift it was a total gift and yeah you know it was this whole thing of like take some time before you completely crash yeah you know yeah yeah he could see me crashing he saw my blood pressure going up he saw you know, I was behind on all of my physicals and everything else that you need to do to keep a body going. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, no, you just, you need this time. So, okay. Amazing. You know, went through that and I'm like, January 21st, I'm like, I'm going to be out for a few weeks, guys. It's like, I need, I need to write myself mm-hmm. and I need time. And um, about six weeks in, handled a lot of the the health stuff and starting to feel like me again. I'm like, okay, like give me a couple more weeks. I can feel like I'm back. Yeah. And 
March 21st, so exactly eight weeks after that, um, my brother was murdered. And it was a murder-suicide. Um, his wife of 42 years killed him and killed herself. It was all premeditated, planned. Um, and the shock of going through something like that, because that's something that you don't think is going to touch your family. You know, it's something that yeah. out there. Mm -hmm. And why we think that, you know, because this happens every day, people are murdered every day. Because it's hard to mm -hmm. think of the hard things happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden I get this phone call like, Audrey, I don't know how to tell you this. It was his, their neighbor. And Shelly called and said, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but they're both gone. And I knew, I'm like, she killed him. I know she did. And they're like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I just lost it. And um, and this is, what, how many months after your mom? Like, not even this six, but it was six. No, it was a year and a half. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. We're 20. Okay. Yes. Got the timelines. Okay. So, close. A year and a half later, and it was just this this uh, kind of thrust into not only that, but there was lawsuits that were going on. There was all this stuff. And, you know, he was killed on a Monday. By Friday, I was flying to into that community. And, and I knew going in there, like, here's this community that knew both my brother and my sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. And um, they were going to be grieving and wondering what was going on and in shock. And I knew I couldn't carry that anger or that hatred or any kind of negative stuff with me because she's already taken my brother. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hold on to this anger. I'm going to hold on to this, 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 you know, hate or whatever toward her or this blame and all of that. The only one that it affects is me. You know, it robbed. Yeah, because she's gone too. So he's gone. So yeah, it hurt her. It's only going to. And there was this point where it's like, you've already taken my brother's life. I'm not going to let you take mine. And it was just really clear in my body to just go, that's not going to happen. And so to be able to walk in there and speak the truth to the community like no this this wasn't a, a mental break it was, wasn't a heated argument and it was this was planned and this is why really? and um but to do it with as much love and compassion as i could because what i knew that's how my brother would want me to you know handle this because mm -hmm. that's how he walked through life was with love and compassion and um but I wanted this community to heal too. Yeah. And I I I couldn't have done that if I were walking in with all this anger. And it's so gosh, there's so many feelings to have here, right? Like it's amazing. The the <laughs> you're like, yeah, girl, tell me if I can bet it. I I like want it's amazing that you were able to give yourself kind of the clarity and a mission there. Like and how you were going to go into um, help, you know, friends of your brother and sister-in-law grieve. But at the same time, you were also, you lost your brother in this tragic way. But you also lost your sister-in-law. 
who had been your sister-in-law for 40-something years. So that's grief in of itself. And then when you add the tragedy on top of it, it, that's just a lot of feelings. That's a lot of things. Kara and I always say, feel your feels. However, that is a lot of feels to feel. (laughs) It was a lot of feels to feel. Yeah. There were times when I couldn't, you know, I remember, so my cousin, um, Brenda came with me uh, when we flew, when I flew into Kansas. And um, she was with me for that first week I was there. And I had to walk into their house. And let me tell you, it was like the night or like the day or two before I'm like, oh shit, I, I didn't, like, I need sage. I need my crystals. I need my, I need my step on me. Yeah. Into that house. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we drove to this one, it was like three hours away because there was no like crystal shop, you know, yeah. <laughs> the local crystal shop was a little far away. Yeah. Exactly. Like Silicon Valley, they're all over, but here, yes, like, uh, and, um, <laughs> so did that because I'm like, I just, I felt I need my, needed my armor and this was yeah. a little bit of my armor. I need it. And I walked in and I see their life spread out in their house. And I see the carpet that has been ripped up because that's what you do with the mm-hmm. crime scene. There's bullet holes in the wall. It it really was the business of, of, of getting this done. I didn't have, I only had a short time there. And um, it's like, what do I have to, to find? What is there? Is there something that I need to find? And so I'm in this business mode of really pushing down and, um, it was murdered like a few days before her birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's in one of the tours, I found the birthday card that he had wrote to her. Oh, no. Um, and it said in there, I still look at you the way, you know, I see you the way I've always seen you as the woman that I fell in love with. And to read that, and house the lawyer looking through the house and she finds the gut of the 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 case of where you know she had hit between behind her bed frame like this was premeditated to just hold that all at once mm-hmm. and i had this like i said i couldn't feel at the time and my my cousin started crying and i kind of looked at her and she just went, it's okay if I feel it. And I went, you're right. And right now you have to feel it for me because I can't. Like, I can't. I only have a short time here. I can't come apart right now here. Right. I couldn't come apart. I read her diary. I mean, it was just. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. Were there, I'm part, part of the asking, but like, were there details in the diary? Like that would like, what, uh, how did you, how, how, oh my goodness. But what's this whole thing of like reading these interactions that she had of like, you know, he hurt me by saying this. So I said this and, you know, it, it, and it was, you could just feel the, the hatred and the detest that she had for my brother at the time. 
and to read that and then to hold the that in the same like is in the same breath mm -hmm. the fact that my brother still saw her is this woman that he fell in love with how do you hold that space yeah dissonance in your body and it took a long time it took months for me to yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. And, but really what helped me was what I learned in the Cruise Academy. I mean, this is, you know, it's it's what we call the peace method. Yeah, yes. One of the things that, so the, in this peace method, what we do is we, we take a thought that's causing us pain, right? It's like just taking one workout because we have the, the, the incident you know, of what happened, the loss, and that's painful, right? Mm -hmm. But the suffering that comes about our, our, is where our thoughts are mm -hmm. and how we continue to believe what we think. And I, what was really eating at me was this thought of he shouldn't have had to sacrifice his life for her. And this, this thought just kept coming back and back and back to me. And so I worked the peace method on this thought from my mm -hmm. and had someone work with me and so the first part is really looking at you know is this thought in the present moment you know and he said is it from the past is it from the future I mean, you know it was, it was from the past and you know he shouldn't have done this he shouldn't have mm -hmm. had to sacrifice his life but what we know is you know our only point of power is from the moment the present mm -hmm. so this has happened in the past I can have a lot of regrets for it but I can't it's not happening right now. Mm -hmm. I like that. Our only power is in the present moment, which is the P, yeah, of the peace method. Mm -hmm. And so the next part of that is expressing. So it's like I was able, I just journaled, right? I just journaled everything about um, how this made me feel. Like, where did this live in my body and, you know, and, and the tightness and the tension in my body and, and how how it felt and, and allowed myself to be my 12 year old petty girl self that was just like, you know, ranting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How dare this happen? And, you know, this is so unfair. And, you know, he should still be alive. And, and it's all the shoulds, right? You know what? That should be, that should be one of the steps of grief is just petty. Like, it should be like, this, one of the steps of grief is just petty as shit. Like, you could be like, let it, like, the, the only, you have to have all of those feelings. Like, you have to. So, like, exactly. the only way to is through. And so, yeah, I, lo I love that. I love that you were like, yes, I was a petty 12-year-old and I just wrote. Yeah. And, and, and I was mad at him for mm -hmm. staying. I was, you know. And I allowed my, myself to feel those feelings at that time, like get that out and be mad at him and angry that he stayed when he knew that he was married to her disease and no longer her. Like, mm -hmm. why did you, why did you stay in and mad at her? Like, fine, if you want to take yourself out, but why did you have to stick my brother? You know, mm -hmm. all of this came out. Yeah. Which are all very valid feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But it, it, you get to a point where you're kind of exhausted from it's like okay everything is out now mm -hmm. then when everything is out it's it's moving into acceptance or appreciation it's like okay now that i have i've emptied what else can i hold and can i hold this thought of he shouldn't have sacrificed his life for her can i just accept it 
is there anything that I can appreciate about it? And it was kind of surprising to me because I'm like, how can I appreciate anything about this? And what really came out for me when I sat with that was I could appreciate the fact that he lived to the very end as to who he was. He was loyal. He took his vows seriously. It was duty and honor. Mm-hmm. Um, was it codependence that was expressed that way? Probably. That's a whole other episode. And um, <laughs> but but he, he that's the values that he carried. Mm-hmm. And no one knew in his life what was going on. All the people around him in that community had no idea. They saw her illness. They saw that her her erratic behavior and he never spoke ill about her it was always he always was there to kind of clean up he was always Mm -hmm. there to kind of hold the space Mm -hmm. because it was he made that vow and so i could accept the fact that he to the very end lived the life according to his value and according to what was important to him and so that was really kind of surprising for me that I could get to that point. To there, yeah. And then with C, it's like consider the contrary, right? So what what else can you consider? Uh, he shouldn't have, you know, sacrificed his life. Well, he should have. Because if he's living according to his values, he would have sacrificed his life in any other situation. And who's to say that he wouldn't have chosen this? If he's sacrificing his life for his wife. And it was like, at that point, it's kind of like this freedom happens or happened in my mind because it's like all of a sudden this this belief that I have, mm-hmm. I was able to let go and hold other belief that it's like, well, maybe this will be, it should have happened. Well, am I to say that it shouldn't because because I don't like it, because I'm hurting it. He still lived and died in the honoring his value. As himself, yeah. And so it allowed me to accept that. And then, you know, the final E in the peace method is what can you be enthusiastic about? And sometimes that's a hard word to, to grasp onto. Mm-hmm. But it really is like I can... I knew that he lived his life to the very end, how he, how he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like he, he wouldn't have chosen another path, otherwise he would have, right? Right. Yeah. There came a point in his life and in this journey, where that path out of this relationship with uh, this abusive relationship, uh, he could no longer see it. It could have been paved with gold, and he wouldn't accept. He he wouldn't be able to see it. Mm-hmm. And or or make that choice. It sounds like make that choice. Yeah, because at at some point you he couldn't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. This was he was locked into. This is my this is my life, and my my role is to care for this woman, who he knew had had mental health issues from the you know the time they got married. Mm-hmm. This wasn't something new. It's just that it spiraled, and you know it's yeah. no longer. In a point where she could help herself, just got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, 
there's a lot there, you know, like the yeah, I get in the grief of losing people, the tragic death of of my brother, like, it, and it was shocking. You know, you just don't think you're gonna go through and deal with something like that in your life, and we're still dealing with it. You know, I deal with it every day, and I miss him every single day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's we on this podcast we always preach that grief isn't linear. So, like, you're allowed to hold space for the person that you've lost in whatever way that works for you for however long that works for you. Yeah. So for how, like I'm, I'm 18 years removed from my mom being gone, but like, I still, I, I, I'm, I'm in this period of time right now where I'm at, I am holding space for like what grieving, what our adult relationship would have been like. And so that's what no one tells you, though, like when you lose somebody is that like you continue to grieve them in a different way. Like, like, yeah, I, I call it re-grief, but I don't know if that's totally what it should be called. But it's like I'm just coining my own stuff over here. But it's like you you grieve, you grieve in so many ways. Like that's why grief's exhausting. So like there's the the first layer of being like, I just lost this person and it hurts. Like my heart is actually hurting. And then there's like, I'm grieving like time loss with this person. Then I'm grieving like, then I'm grieving for that person. So like sometimes I'm grieving what I know my mom would be missing. Right. That makes sense. So like I'm almost yeah. grieving through her eyes. And then, and then I'm grieving. Yeah. Then like every, with every like phase of my motherhood, I have found another piece of me grieving my mom. So like with every phase of life, I feel like, if you've lost somebody, you you end up grieving them differently. So it is it is a lifelong sentence. Um, but what I like about this peace method, um, and I will, listeners, I will type, I have this all typed out, as well as the drink recipe that I think you gave me the last time we spoke to. Oh, there's that too. You know, you kind of have to get through the brief however you need to. Yeah, I like turned the page. I was like, did she get through this drink I think <laughs> it was grapefruit of the fever tree grapefruit. You were very specific. Yes. Gin and Saint Germain. Yes, yes, yeah. It, that was the the drink of choice last last summer. Trying yes, to that was your like, yeah, yeah. Let's that was that. your your summer cocktail. But what I love about the peace method is that I have this thing, this like chip on my shoulder that I cannot stand when somebody is going through grief and someone else says well at least like at least you you still have this or at least your brother died quickly or like something stupid like that right like i hate i hate the at least what i like about the peace method though is that it gets you to a place of gratefulness like that last e being enthusiasm but only after it's allowed you to feel everything out have like everything else like only after like it didn't, it's not like that enthusiasm is not the first E, it's the last E. And I, I love that. I love that. Like, yeah. it's okay to get to a place because I am with my mom. I'm, I live in the enthusiasm and gratefulness space. I, I live in and these like, feel, you still feel sad at times. Of course you do. Yes. 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 But I'm, am I grateful my mom lived? Hell yeah. Like, am I grateful for the time that I had with her? Yes. I've even gotten to a point where I'm like, I don't know that I would choose a different path if it didn't lead me to my children. So like, 
that's also a weird space to be in. Like, you, sorry, mom. Like, I'm not saying I like, yay, I'm glad you died. I'm not. I'm never. But I would be hard pressed to choose another path that didn't lead me to my kids. And so that's, that's also just a weird place to be, you know? And so I like, that's why I like this peace method so much. Um, It almost gives you, my issue with the stages of grief is that they're, they're, it's not linear. So it feels like you should be moving within the pieces. What you said about the peace method, though, is like you can take any thought, any thought you are feeling at any time in your grief journey and apply this. And I love that. That's kind of empowering. It, it really is because it gives you the tools and mm-hmm. you can work with a grief coach. You could do this on your own. You can help others do this. You can, you can modify it for your children. And it's not just around grief. It's around any kind of loss or disappointment or stress. You know, what's causing us suffering is our thoughts. It's how we think about something, you know, and it, and realizing that our thoughts are, it, it's just a belief. Our, our belief is just a thought we continue to think, right? Mm-hmm. And what we can know is that we can change our thought process. So if we change our thinking, we change our thoughts, we change our life. Mm-hmm. And, and so realizing you know, getting to that point where it's like, oh, there's another reality, but I couldn't see it before because I hadn't, I hadn't let go of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's yes, where people can get caught really easily is not allowing themselves to fully express it, especially the hard stuff, like mm-hmm. being mad at my brother for fucking dying. You know, mm-hmm. why? Oh yeah, stay there. Oh yeah, and. And those are some really hard emotions, mm-hmm. especially I think women get caught in this too, because a lot of us, you know, I'll speak for myself, but around my age, we weren't given, um, and it depends on how you grew up, right? Mm-hmm. But you weren't really given a voice for your feelings, especially anything negative or anything powerful. Mm-hmm. And we were taught that anger was bad and anger is mm-hmm. not bad. It's just a feeling that you move through. Yeah, because you have to feel anger to move into, to, you know, frustration and joy. It, it, it it's it's what you move through. Yeah. But we were taught to stifle that, and when you're taught to stifle your own anger and your own powerful emotions and the strength of your emotions, you're capped, right? And you can't move to that to find that peace and to find that joy. And so this really allows ourselves to fully express it and allow the the coach who's holding this space, is there anything else? And really kind of probe, like, where does it live in your body? How does it feel? How do you treat yourself? How do you treat others? How does, and it's like, during that process, the ego loosens up and you realize the cost that this thought is having on your life. And, um, but you can't get to enthusiasm without expressing yeah. everything. And I love that. I love that so much. Audrey, talk to us more about the Grief Coach Academy um, and what the work that you do there. So the, in the Grief Coach Academy, we train um, coaches um, to become, you know, to work with people through their, all, through their grief. And this is really for people that 
are going through their own grief who may not want to be coaches, but sometimes something magical happens through this that you don't know where it's going to lead you, right? I certainly didn't know that it was going to lead me to, you know, um, taking over the company and, and you know, running this company now. Um, when I went through it, it, sometimes it's a matter of people going through this, gosh, I, I learned so much that I really want to help others. Mm-hmm. Other times it's really just for themselves. And sometimes we have people who are are in the industry, right? Who are therapists, mm-hmm. coaches, who just want to add to their toolbox. So it's really yep. a place for everybody to explore their own grief and also to help themselves and others uh, with that space. Because without that help, it, you know, people keep talking about that grief. It just takes time. Oh, you, you'll, you'll get better with time. Well, there's time, but there's also intention and purpose and action. Yep. yep. And without yep. that and without having the tools to know how to work through these painful thoughts and you can get stuck in grief fears. Yeah. Oh yeah. Through it. And, and then there's this, this, I think about the loss that goes on with that, which compounds the grief, right? Because all of a sudden, if you're stuck in this, in your own grief, what is it doing to your, to your work life, your productivity, your, your marriage, your mm-hmm. relationship with your children? You, it, the cost goes on and on. And one of the things that I we want to do through the Grief Coach Academy and me personally is to normalize these conversations. And that's why I was so looking forward to having this conversation with you because I love what you and Kara do. Um, because it's normalizing this, this conversation. Like we are mm-hmm. all going to go through this. If you haven't yet, you will. Yes. And, yes. and let's talk about it. Let's just face this head on because if you, you know, if you can deal with it and and really all what we're all going through, it's such a much more rich, amazing life. Yeah. But people think they, they, if you deny something and it's like, oh, well then I can just, you're living with this fear in the back of your mind all the time rather than facing the monster Mm -hmm. and saying, what gifts do you have for me? And the gifts that I found is when you can do that, and really turn headlong into this. It's like there's something that opens and you get to experience life and the joy that's there. Mm-hmm. A little, you know, it's deeper and it's richer because you know it's not forever. So like the moments are more precious and mm-hmm. it's it's like every little moment you want to soak into it a little bit more. Um, and that's really what we want to get back to people is finding their peace through this, through their paths as grief mm-hmm. so that they can live more fully. Yeah. So that they can, yeah, I love that. Finding their peace through grief so that they can live fully because that is the point of life. I, I heard this so not that long ago that like the point of life is to optimize for freedom. And that has like like that is the point of life so like we 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 get stuck in these ruts and we work ourselves to the bone and we don't do healing and things like that but like that's not the point of life the point of the life is to to live our best life in whatever freedom means to us and so exactly yeah i love that yeah so we have you know uh trainings um i am 
in a little bit of a, a rework with a few things. So um, I'm not quite sure when the next training will be up, but it's on our website. So, uh, or it will be shortly. And, um, but people can go there. We've got some videos that they can download. Um, I'm, I'm Wednesday nights. I'm normally on a call <laughs> for people um, to, to join in and just have a conversation. Um, and they can also book a call with me and, and we can see how things, you know, what's, what's up for them, what's alive for them, what's, where can we starting, where do we want to go to? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, Audrey, thank you so much um, for sharing your story with us. Like that, it's not, it, it can't be easy um, to relive all of, all of that loss, you know, over and over and over again, but I appreciate you for what you do um, and and doing it with here with us and in your grief coach practice um because that's this is how we we change the narrative on grief it is it is you know i really got to a point where um i understood that this the deaths of my parents to my brother this this didn't happen to me and there was this point of changing my mindset around it if this happened for me what if if it's a, if it's a belief and they're just a thought, then let me change my thought around it and just go, they, this happened for me to bring me to this point where I let go of the whole thing of like, who are you to talk about this? And you know, the whole yeah. worth and blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I have something, we all have something to give. Mm-hmm. And, and this was my, my gift, their, their gift to me was to bring me to this point where I can, I could talk about this where you could do this work. hopefully kill others amazing well where can our listeners find you I will link this all in the show notes but this is also just your moment to give all your contact <laughs> info perfect so they can find me at uh, the grief coach academy.com or audrey laura white.com either one and I'm also on Instagram uh, and TikTok same thing at Grief Coach Academy or at Audrey Laura White. And like I said, they can go to the website, sign up for some free videos, book a call, and let's have let's have some conversations. Let's change the world. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Audrey. Thank you so much, Rashi. That's I I'm so grateful for what you and Kara do. All right, gals. Thanks so much for listening to the Grieving Mamas Club podcast. When times get tough, just remember, you're a badass bee and you've got this, mama.